taking you off the edge of your map. Welcome to the Barbarian Prophet. Welcome back to Season 2 of The Barbarian Prophet. I know you noticed a new tagline is hit out there, and I know you have also noticed some new music. Let me tell you something. It took a little bit for Jonathan and I to get that music loaded up, uh, simply because buying music is not as easy as just going down to your record store, apparently. But... My name is Bert Eldridge. I'm the Barbarian Prophet. I am not joined today by my good friend Redbeard. Redbeard is out working today, but I am joined by my co-host, Scott Smith. Say hi, Scott. Hey, everybody. And I have an incredible guest with us today that I'm going to reveal in just a minute. But before I reveal her, i got to fill you in on a couple of quick things. Last season, we spent all of our time gathering people's personal testimony. And those testimonies had a huge impact on people. I can tell you that I got uh, phone calls, I got uh, emails, I got instant messages, and all that type of stuff from people that had been impacted by the stories they heard. I know that there were people that accepted Christ. I know that there was a suicide prevented I know that there was people that thought that they had been living insane because they were hearing from God, that all of a sudden they found out there's a whole collective of of us out there that hear from God, right? Amen. And uh, as as we grow and we learn from this show, uh, we want to bring you something new every season. Now, this season is not going to be dedicated towards personal testimonies, although it will be a part of that. What this season is going to be is about people that are living radically for Jesus. This season, I am starting out with a young lady that she is willing to sacrifice whatever she has to to serve our Lord and Savior. And one of the things about her jumping out on the edge is that uh, it calls her to different places. And those are the people that we are going to be pursuing this year. Because I just don't want to gather your story. I want to inspire new stories in people every day. So with all that being said, would you mind introducing yourself? Yes. I am Emily McGraw. I'm originally from Florida, and I moved to Missouri when I was 18 years old in pursuit of the Lord, and I'm 20 now. After two years of living in Missouri, I have decided that I'm called to go to Hawaii, so it's been an adventure. (laughs) So you're just going to suffer for Jesus in Hawaii, is that what you're saying? Yes, that is exactly (laughs) what I'm saying. Well, and uh, so uh, tell me about the ministry that you work for, because you, I want to know, first of all, at what age did you come to Christ? I originally came to Christ when I was four years old. Okay. So my mom told me about how my sin had darkened my heart and it kept me away from God. And she told me how to... At age four? At age four. Okay. And she told... How bad of a child were you? I mean, was your your terrible twos (laughs) a little more than the rest of us or what? Your mom's like, at age four, you better have a come to Jesus right now. (laughs) 
Well, I, I just imagine your mom with that kind of authority, I'm guessing. Uh-huh. Well, I know <laughs> uh-huh. my, my oldest sister, she was saved by her Sunday school teacher when she was like six or seven years old. And my mom heard about it after church. My, little, my older sister came running up and she was like, Mom, guess what? I just received Jesus as my Savior. And my mom was so jealous. So she started telling us as early as she could about Jesus and how we could be saved so that she would have that opportunity to lead us to the Lord. Amen, because that's what being a good parent is all about, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So age four, mm-hmm. you little sinner. Yep. Jesus says, bam, here you are, <laughs> right? Okay, mm-hmm. and then what happens to you moving forward? You went, At what point did you start looking at doing ministry? Well, when I was 11 years old, my sisters got involved in something called Christian Youth in Action. Christian Youth in Action. Tell me a little bit about so, that because that's who you're still involved with, right? Yes, it is. That's a part of Child Evangelism Fellowship. Chi- so. okay. Explain to me, how does Child Evangelism work? So Child Evangelism is taking the gospel and you're bringing it to a child's level. So you're condensing things. You're using not using words like salvation or like... Um, reconciliation. You're using words that the children will understand and using scripture itself like John one twelve, and explaining it phrase by phrase, word by word, so that kids can understand. Okay, so what kind of phrases do you use instead of salvation? Well, so one thing that is emphasized is using the verse. So let's take Acts 16, and it says, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. So you break that down for a child. You say, to believe, that means to trust completely that what Jesus did is for you. And then you will be saved. That's a promise. God's promising that if you trust him, that he died for your sins, that you will be saved. That means that you will have a friendship with God that starts now and lasts forever. Okay. Now, uh, so who started this ministry and how old is it? So this ministry is just a little bit more than 80 years old. So it's brand new, really. Yeah, basically. I'm just kidding. I mean, 80 years old. That's just like two years younger than me. Gotcha. And uh, kidding. Mm-hmm. Don't look at me like I'm seriously 82 years old. Come on. The beard does age you a little bit. Hey, the longer the beard, the closer to Jesus. I'm just telling you. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> who started the ministry? A man named Mr. Overholzer. Overholzer. Okay, mm-hmm. so what, what brought him to start this ministry? So actually, he did not believe in children being saved. Okay. He was in a church that was completely against that, and what happened was he read something by Charles Spurgeon that said, a child at five, if the gospel explained to them, they, they can knowingly believe. And so he decided to test it. So the way he decided to test it was to go to two, he was teaching in the Sunday school, so he went to two young girls, explained the gospel as simply as he could, and he asked them if they wanted to receive Christ, and they did, they received Christ, and he told them not to tell anyone, because he wanted to see if their lives were actually changed, and their lives were so completely changed that their mother, who didn't go to church, decided to come to church, like their family was changed, and he approached the mother, and he's like, why are you here today, because she responded to an altar call, and she was like, because of the changed lives of my two daughters. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's really amazing. So. Yeah, so what ended up happening is because the kids started living this Christian life, mm-hmm. that what ended up happening is she was, her life was changed. Yeah. And so impacting children, you're looking at, uh, you're impacting the entire family is your goal. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when we take a look at churches, when you, you've come from church life. Your father is a pastor, correct? Yes, he is. Um, a great pastor, <laughs> isn't he? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, that's... Scott, you know the guy. He's my father-in-law. Oh, so I love him very much. You love him very much? You think he's a pretty good pastor? I agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, this is two family members mm-hmm. <laughs> that are in agreement that they ha- are blessed to have this man in their life. Now, so let me uh, ask you, when in youth camp, Scott, you've taught youth camp. You've been at youth camp. Um, and... Emily, you obviously were young and went to um, youth church, I guess would be called, or kids church or whatever each Mm -hmm. church calls it. Uh, Is the gospel explained to them pretty well in most churches, do you guys think? I'm asking you both. We'll start with Scott. I would say it depends on the leadership and the people in charge. my experience there's two different types of people some that just want to have fun in a clean healthy christian environment okay and other people who have a heart to disciple and if they want to disciple they're going to make sure the gospel is clearly presented and that lives are changed and that the disciplines are being used focus on prayer focus on reading the word worship things like that excellent now what about you Emily. Well, I agree with Scott, but there's something that I've noticed is that they tend to assume that kids are saved, that teenagers who have been going to church their whole life are saved. And the reality is sometimes they've never been given that opportunity to really respond. And so like, that's something that is a struggle because, you know, you can bring a kid to church and they get all these good lessons and good morals, but they don't really get that even an opportunity to respond. So they don't know what to do with it. Right. Um, that I would call, I'd say that is a major problem in the Western church. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, the other thing that I would, uh, in thinking about what you're saying here is, uh, we do assume because they're, uh, with us that they're okay. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is, uh, in, in jail ministry where, where I work, um, the, I will ask, well, have you accepted to Christ? And I hear all the time, oh, I've been going to church since I was a little kid. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm saved. You've been going to church or your grandma was a Baptist. That's why you're saved or you're, you follow. Mm-hmm. And you're absolutely right. I don't think that we put enough emphasis on that. So how, tell me about how your ministry works. How did they train you? So I first started working with my ministry when I was 12, actually. I was a volunteer in the summer. I took that program called Christian Youth in Action, and it was a one-week program, and they taught you in groups. So I learned how to share the gospel using a tool called the Wordless Book, and basically it separates it into different parts. So God's love, our problem of sin, what Jesus did for us, how we can be cleaned of that sin, and then growth, how to grow in God after you've been cleaned. So that's what a Wordless Book is, and it uses five different colors. It uses gold, um, black, then red, white, and green to represent those things. And so I learned that tool And then I also learned how to um, share missionary stories and then also Bible lessons that incorporate the gospel and those gospel facts. Nice. So you did all that in a week? Actually, they do it in tracks. So the track I took was just um, the wordless book, learning how to share a memory verse, and then the missionary story. 
But then when you come back, so I came back multiple years. I have gone to the program CYA in some way, shape or form for nine years now. And so after two years of going, at the third year, they taught me how to teach a Bible lesson because it's a little bit longer. It's like 15 minutes long. So asking a 12 year old to do that is kind of a lot, but asking a 14 year old, it's not so much. So not so much. Yeah. I know you hear the train in the background. Mm -hmm. You know, one thing we don't have is a soundproof studio, <laughs> <laughs> but that's, I don't know if they can hear it out there, but we're all listening to it in our headphones here. All right. So, uh, so do, at what point did you start working for them? How old were you when you started? I was 18. You were 18. Mm -hmm. So now you're 18 years old and you're working for them. What was your first job with them? Actually, I was 17. That's funny. I was 17 and I was working in my local chapter. So I was working underneath my mom, actually. She was in tar charge of the ministry and I was an intern. So I was doing a lot of paperwork with the volunteers. I went to different um, events for the volunteers and just kind of like was that background work for the right. ministry. That was where I started. So it so then where did you go? I mean, tell me about the progression through there. Okay. Well, then after that, I was graduating high school and I was getting ready to go to college. And I was pretty much set up for a scholarship. And I really thought that's where God wanted me. And my eldest sister, who also works for this ministry, sent me a text message. And she was like, hey, Emily, you know, at the headquarters, there's an internship open. There are a couple, actually. Would you be interested? And I was really not. And I was just like, you know, that's interesting. I'll pray about it. And that was my polite way of saying, no, thank you. I'm not really interested. <laughs> and That's a Christian hard <laughs> no. Exactly. But she didn't really press it. So I was like, okay, everyone's satisfied. Good. And so I, I like ignored it. And then that night I was going to sleep. And I remember just remembering that I said I would pray about it. And I wanted to keep my word. So I thought, I'll offer up a prayer. The Lord won't answer. It's not a big deal he's not going to say yes no way I'm going to college and so I was like Lord hey do you want me to go to this headquarters and do an internship and it was without hesitation yes and I was like what and it was kind of crazy because then I was like doubting it and wondering if I should go or not because I really thought college was the thing and one of my sisters was just like Emily if this is God it's God and you need to go you don't want to miss what God is doing. And she was like, the least you can do is apply for the job. You don't have to get accepted. They could not like you. They could tell you, you know what, all the positions are filled. It's just not going to work. And so I was well, like. that sounds like a bunch <laughs> of really good, encouraging words. It's like, <laughs> hey, why don't you just put in an application and maybe they will just set it on fire and tell you no. Exactly. And honestly, <laughs> it, it was encouraging, though, because I didn't really want to go. So it was like, OK, maybe if this isn't God, he's going to show up and he's going to say no. And so I was like, OK, I can do that. I can do this step. And so I filled out the application, which took like an hour. It was the longest application I've ever filled out. And I submitted it. They contacted me. They were excited. They wanted me to come. I got interviewed three days later. I was in a car and I was leaving to go to that headquarters. But then you found out something else is that they were explaining to people you were coming before they <laughs> even interviewed you, right? Yes, it's you true. You were telling me that story yesterday. Yes. I have, so let's hear a little bit about okay, that. Okay, so I have uh, two sisters who work at that headquarters. Right. And one of them texted me on a Wednesday. So is this just a family affair? Does your family kinda, run this thing or what? You know, I'm starting to wonder. <laughs> we all get involved. <laughs> um. But the Lord has really blessed us through. Amen. I know that. The Lord has just been blessing us through this ministry. 
and through what he's been teaching us. And um, so my one of my sisters texted me. She said, Emily, oh, my gosh, I'm so excited you're coming. And I was like, wait, what do you mean? And she was like, they just announced it in chapel in front of the whole group of people. So there are like 120 people who work there. They all go to chapel together on Wednesdays. And in that chapel service, they announced that I was coming before I was interviewed. And I was like, what? <laughs> well, that... That's nice. They had confidence you were going to interview well. <laughs> I guess. So then, uh, so you get you go to work there. Mm-hmm. How long did you work there? I worked there for a year, and then I renewed my commitment in a different department in another year. Okay, uh, paid position. Yep. Okay, so you're an actual employee there. Mm-hmm. Yep. So then, what happens? Uh, you've been discussing going to Hawaii with me, and so where are we at with that? I mean, how did you end up with the Hawaii? <laughs> now, you were, where's their headquarters? Their headquarters is in Missouri. Missouri it's yeah. an hour outside of St. Louis. Okay. And so how do we go from Missouri to Oahu? So it's kind of crazy. A lot of things happened. I know in that break between those two years, I was really praying about where God wanted me, and I felt like the Lord was telling me, you know what, Emily, this isn't it. This isn't what, this isn't the end all. I'm calling you to something, but this next year is preparation. And I was like, okay, Lord. So it kind of took stress off of what choice I made, and so I made that choice. And then in March of that year, uh, someone approached me, and they were like, hey, Emily, there is a need in Hawaii for someone to go out and help with that summer ministry. Would you want to go to Hawaii to help with Christian Youth in Action? And I was literally shocked. I thought they were joking. And she was like, no, this isn't a joke. This is real. They, Because the state director got really sick in January and he was just recovering, so they needed help. And I was like, yes, yes, I'm interested in that. And so I went out to Hawaii in the summer and I helped with that program with the Christian Youth in Action. There were about 20 teenagers, and we got to teach them how to do all those things, to teach a memory verse, to teach a missionary story, to teach a Bible lesson. And I loved them all. They were really great kids. Like, I was impressed with how well they were able to explain the gospel and how much they cared about the kids. So, so I, I'm curious <laughs> because uh, Hawaii is a very multi- Racial, mm-hmm. although I have a hard time with that because I believe there's only one race. It's mm-hmm. called the human race. Yes, but it's multicultural. Let's yes. go that direction. Mm-hmm. It is multicultural, and uh, I'm not a very politically correct guy. Just so we're all up front, but I do believe because, especially uh, when visiting with people, I always recognize there's only one race. Mm-hmm. Okay, but but when we're especially Hawaii I've been there so did you have somebody from every kind of cultural background in it or there was a very large variety Mm -hmm. I would say that'd be like a very large variety and they were from all over like there were people from who originated from China Mm -hmm. and people who originated from like the Philippines and those kinds of islands and then there were also like military teenagers so their parents were in the military so they're from all over they were about two of them and so like you just get a really large mix so there was I would say there was a strong Asian presence but there was definitely other representation all right so when we also know that out there on all of this is that there is a um, a large Mormon Mm -hmm. presence on there 
Yeah. <clears throat> have you guys, how, how will you deal with that? Because there's a lot of people that go, yeah, I already know Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a large um, Buddhist colony there. I mean, they're, well, not so much colony, but presence. And there's, uh, I, I don't know that I saw much for our, uh, Muslim or Hindu, but I did see a large Buddhist and, and Mormonism there. Mm-hmm. So how do you guys approach, is that even in the presence of your mind? So it is in the presence of our mind, and it is a desire. It's something we're definitely praying about. But the one goal is to get the children to come to our programs. And so when the children are in our programs, if they have questions or things like that, the goal is to get them aside, like still visible with the group, but just so we can talk to them one-on-one without confusing the other children so that they can get questions answered and so that we can can explain the gospel step-by-step, who Jesus was, that he was God, this is what he did, and explain those things clearly. But the one thing is it's hard to reach those children because of their parents. If their parents aren't willing to let them come to our programs, it's not like we can make them. Yeah, well, that wouldn't be appropriate. Right, it wouldn't. (laughs) So, uh, interesting. Okay, so as you step out into this, as you step out into this new uh, adventure in Hawaii, Mm -hmm. uh, do you know what it's going to end up looking like? Are you going to end up Uh, working all of the islands are you going to end up I mean how does it look so with the ministry I'm with they have state directors and I'm going to be working directly with that director so he's in charge of the entire state of Hawaii so that is all of the islands and so the goal is to have um, good news clubs which is like the after school program in elementary schools in on every island Okay, so explain the Good News program. So a Good News Club is a... Good News Club. Yes. Sorry. (laughs) It's a program, so that's what it is, but it's called a Good News Club or a GNC, depending on who you ask. Um, But what it is, is it's an hour and a half program where the children come by permission of their parents after school and often on school grounds. And so it'll be like right after school. So kids are dismissed, they can go to Good News Club. And then at the Good News Club, they have a small group time where they get to um, spend time with a teacher directly in smaller groups. So that's like five to ten children for each teacher so you can actually get to know the kids. And then also um, after that, the teaching time starts after that small group time and that snack time. And the teaching time is what incorporates that Bible lesson and the missionary story and that memory verse so it's that time where you get to really share the gospel with the kids is that teaching time and that takes probably an hour of the time and so it's really just a really fun packed time for the kids that they get to really get the gospel okay so when it comes down to when when we when we take a sharp look at uh do you have a step-by-step program is that what you do do you, is it got a lot of flexibility in it? So it has some flexibility. So basically, for it to be a good news club, it has to have three parts. It has mm-hmm. to have a Bible lesson, a memory verse, and then a thing called Wonder Time, which is a time for saved kids. So basically what it is is it's helping the saved children have their own quiet time at home, and it's explaining how to do that little by little. So you may take a verse about praising God and then explain how do you praise God and talk about that with the kids. So that's what a Wonder Time is. So to have those three things, that's all it takes to be a good news club 
and then everything else is really flexible depending on where you are all right so what would you say that you've learned the most from people you see doing it Hmm. well you know one thing i've learned is presence like being there is really important for the kids and loving them like if i was gonna say i learned something it's like the power of love and like really loving kids because when they know that you love them they're gonna listen and when you tell them that jesus really loves them they care because children want to be loved and so i think it really emphasizes that they're they don't doubt once they realize how much jesus loves them they hold on to that and they believe it and when they know that you love them they hold on to that and it's it becomes like a foundation for their life because they're so young they're still building all those foundations that the rest of their life is going to be built off of and i think that's one of the hugest things i've learned is that it's important to love the kids like even when they're naughty or annoying or they don't listen or they just can't pay attention for whatever reason like it's important all right that's good scott do you got a couple of questions for her well i i agree with that love and loving the unlovable and the i have seen that's why that's why scott hangs out with me yeah (laughs) it's it stretches my love for (laughs) others um but i've been a teacher in a christian school and we had a summer school program and just the teachers that did the best were the ones that truly loved the kids Mm. and there was no doubt you know and to see kids transform their behavior because of that love it it is contagious so that's a great point so let me ask you this how um so i know that how does money flow into the ministry and and there's a reason i'm asking this Mm -hmm. okay and and i'm gonna put that just out on the table when we talk about money flowing into a ministry For some reason, people have this tendency to think, okay, I give my tithing at church, that's enough. Mm-hmm. And But there's all these things that go on outside of a church. Now, you're not directly connected with any denomination no. or church. It is an independent Christian mm-hmm. organization, correct? Yes, it is. So how does its funding work? So its funding works um, on an individual basis. So each individual is raising support and then also the ministry itself like our headquarters there's an entire department devoted to reaching out to people and explaining what the ministry is and they hold like briefings so like gatherings they gather people together and explain what the ministry is and ask them to give so that's how the money money comes into the ministry okay so uh one thing that we are going to throw up uh attached to this is going to be the ministry connection to the ministry okay it's mm-hmm. website i'll have jonathan do that when when we get up and uh throw this on the air mm-hmm. the other thing is for you personally mm-hmm. is there a way that our listeners could do they contribute to you personally to assure that you're being cared for out there um they can they can go. So how, how would that work? I mean, if you're making a plea right now, I'm asking <laughs> you just flat out, Emily, I'm saying, Emily, <laughs> speak into that microphone and you're talking to people because we're going to put a connection on here yeah. to where whenever they hear this podcast, mm-hmm. <clears throat> they'll be able to contribute in order to help you continue reaching youth. And when you say youth, you're looking at teenagers all the way down to what? 
probably like five years old, but sometimes younger. Sometimes the lowest I've ever done ministry with in this organization is like two or three. Wow. And how did that go? It's really fun, actually. When you get a group of like three-year-olds and four-year-olds, it's very fun because it's a lot of interaction. Oh, yeah. And you're getting them to repeat things with you and sing songs. And they're really cute because like they just want to be with you. They just want to participate. They want to. And so you can get them to do anything. You can get them to sing songs, repeat verses, and they do such a good job. You know, uh, at one time, my wife and I, believe I know you're both going to have big eyes when I tell you this, but I actually was in charge of a group of four-year-olds at one point at the church. Yep, I knew you'd both look at me that way. <laughs> and Christy was with me, so everybody was okay. Because <laughs> uh, I deal okay with individual little kids, but like a big tassel of them, uh, I was not cut out for that. But I decided to do that for a season. I wanted to I felt everybody should kick in at the church, so I, that's where they placed me for whatever crazy reason. Mm-hmm. But one thing that I started doing is I I kept trying to look for um, things that other people were doing, and eventually I, I did just ask Christ, you know, I asked, I asked, Holy Spirit, what is it you want to do with these kids? And he took me down a road with them that was very, very fun, mm-hmm. where we would build things like a wall we built a wall of Jericho or we built the walls of Jericho one day and they all got to march around it and I bought them all a bunch of little plastic shofars and then we were all able to blow it and they were able to kick down the walls and everything it was a great time and then I took a bunch of tea towels and I made them a little tallits for prayer shawls so they could learn what it meant to lay and rest in the Lord and what I was amazed is teaching them soaking listening to worship music and and asking God. I was amazed at this stuff that God would speak through them. And we we took a bunch of that and gave that to their parents and said, hey, you know, your kid actually has a word for you. you." And uh, I would give it to them and you'd see them just start sobbing because there's like, no way would my kid know that, you know. It was pretty amazing stuff. So I do know how little kids... uh, can get through that although I will say that my wife and I would sit in the car before church and both be down in a Red Bull going okay we could do this <laughs> we could do this I just it, it's about a total of an hour we'll be okay and uh you know as big as I am the kids all like to dog pile me and and stuff like that but uh you know I I look at all of them now because now they're all older teenagers but no matter where I'm at and it's been several years ago, obviously. Most of them are 16, 17, 18 years old now. Uh, no matter where I'm at and they see me, they, they'll come and hug me. And, mm-hmm. and uh, it, you know, I haven't attended that church for several years, but those kids never forget me. It's funny when they start connecting to me, like on Facebook and stuff like that, because uh-huh. they remember those. So I, I do realize the impact yeah. that you're having on thousands of children. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. So if somebody wanted to contribute money to you, how would they do so? So one way they could do that is to go to cefhawaii.com and then go to the about and staff. And if you scroll down, you'll see my name, which is Emily McGraw. And then it says support Emily and it'll send you to a website and how to do that. Excellent. Yeah. And so we can put that on. Can I just get it on my uh, here to where when they click on it, it's going to be you. Yep. 
All right. Definitely. I will make sure Jonathan takes care of that for us. Mm-hmm. Now, how much money do you need to, to make it? So to actually live in Hawaii yeah, it's not as a cheap. single person, it's around $32,000 a year. And so I've been praying about how much I need to raise. And I set a goal of $36,000 okay. for the year that I'm going to be committed to be there. All right. Mm-hmm. How are you coming along with your goal? Right now, I am roughly around 50%. Excellent. Mm-hmm. And you, you're continuing to move forward. Absolutely. All right. Well, now... How many kids do you know that you personally have led to the Lord? That is an interesting question. Well, you know, something about kids is it's hard to tell whether or not they actually understood. And especially with the program of five day clubs, you never see them again. But I have led probably, I would say, I know for sure, like two, three, four, five, for sure. How many kids have I shared the gospel with? I'm talking thousands. Right. But, like, you never know which time is for real for kids. Because some kids just want to respond to respond. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I understand what that means. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're sharing it with thousands of people. Mm-hmm. But if you if the answer was one, it would have been enough. Right. Because that's always the goal. Yeah. You know, even when we take a look at all the people that knew who Jesus was, they were seeing his miracles, they were seeing all of this stuff. It wasn't until he he asked them, when he got serious about the question, who do you say I am? And uh, Peter properly responded. Mm-hmm. And it, was, it wasn't a response out of, this is what everybody said, this is what's going on. No, he responded from his heart. And from that moment forward, Jesus starts his feet towards the cross mm-hmm. because one person accepted him. And one is, one and God is enough. Amen. So... Yeah. Scott, do you got any questions for our guest? What do you do for fun? What do I do for fun? Especially in Hawaii. What are you going to do for fun? Are you going to live on North North Shore? I have no idea. You know, it's just kind of an adventure. And I'm slightly scared, but also really excited. So it kind of goes back and forth between my reasonable side and my adventure side. So um, one thing I want to try while I'm out there is surfing. I have never done that before, and I thought that would be cool. And so that's something I'm excited to try. But what do I do for fun? Um, I love music mm-hmm. and dancing. So I was also thinking about trying hula. I thought about that because I thought that would be fun. And then I also love like art. So yeah, that's what I like to do for fun. I got <laughs> I got to kick in one thing there with the hula. <laughs> <laughs> Lion King. If you cannot do the little song of Pumbaa and Timon with the hula, then, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you definitely got to give that a try, a try. Okay. Yeah. I'll see what I can do. Send a video. We'll attach it to the website okay, and perfect. say raise money for this person. <laughs> of course, it'll probably be for mental health issues. <laughs> they'll help you. They'll help you. All right. Mm-hmm. So you got another question and, for And her. with my experiences being a former missionary out on the mission field in Honduras, um, one thing I would challenge you to do is find time to rest. Mm-hmm. And the pastor at church today did talk about the rest. But then my challenge for those listening is even if you didn't think about considering supporting Emily, consider supporting Emily and allowing it to be 
finances that go above and beyond what <clears throat> she is needing for her daily life, but giving her opportunities to get away from work to go rest and find time to rest and rejuvenate, spend time with family, things like that. Because as a missionary, you can get burnt out if you don't find time to rest in him and just rest. One of the things that I that I do know that they have over there is there are some beautiful uh, gardens mm -hmm. and there and stuff to that effect. When you're entering into prayer, good place to escape. And you're gonna you're gonna find with Hawaii living there long long time <laughs> that what uh, there's a lot of people struggling there. Yeah, it is a beautiful place. Mm. But that's one thing that I, I know that you can reach out and talk with the kids and you're going to find that people do struggle in that mm -hmm. place. But uh, I'm confident in you. <laughs> I'm excited you. about you. I wanted to know a little bit about because you, you're radically chasing Jesus yeah. and uh, not a lot of people do that. Now, the motto of this show is taking you off the edge of your map. Okay, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm going to explain to you what that means. Are you ready, Emily? Yep, I'm ready. M-A-P. It means my assumptions and perceptions wow. to take us off to the off the edge of those. And in order to pursue God with all that we have, and that's what I saw in you. That's why you're my first guest of 2020 <laughs> is because you're a young lady that is tackling uh the things of God without any hesitation or fear in you. And I just truly appreciate you. And you're going into an area, especially with young kids. Uh, I I once heard a Sunday school teacher. She, she was a Sunday school teacher for, if I remember correctly, 50 years. And she, and she was sick and, and she had passed away later that year. But I listened to her and she said, it was always my honor. Mm -hmm always my honor to teach the youth mm -hmm. because cement is easily shaped when it's wet and it's new mm -hmm. and then once it firms up you will have had your handprints all over it <clears throat> and she uh there I, of course i didn't go to church there as a kid but i would save almost 90 percent of the congregation when they applauded her stood up because they had all been in her program mm. and you know sometimes when you see that harvest yeah but i promise you you know the thousands you're talking about speaking to mm -hmm. you'll see that at some point mm -hmm. you'll see it as many as uh like a field of wheat uh and that that uh christ has sent you into the harvest so proud of you thank you and um, going into the mission field and trying to do a lot of this on your own, what has been the hardest hurdle for yourself to say, yes, Lord, I'm going to follow you with full reckless abandonment to encourage others who are contemplating this but think, eh, I could never do this? Oh, there's so many things. <laughs> um, I think one of the biggest things was leaving my family behind and like saying that goodbye like God is more important than my family but my family is very important but he's more 
that his goals are so much more and his purposes are so much more and they always, always, always include me and my benefit. So when I release my family, because my family lives in Florida, so that's a good, like, a very, like, I woke up at six o'clock in the morning and it was noon there when I was in Hawaii. So it's a huge time difference. And that the Lord takes care, that the Lord takes care of me and that he will take care of you when you decide to follow him so that the purpose that even if you're giving up something like your family that it's okay because the lord takes care of his well one thing for positive is whatever you give up he restores back into you fully Mm -hmm. and uh we don't own any of it anyway amen (laughs) that's truth (laughs) we don't own it it's his and we sometimes get put in charge of uh caring for it Mm-hmm. But yeah, stepping away from your family is a hard thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But I know they support you, right? Yes, they do. All right. So, uh, hey, I'm just going to ask. You got, a, you got a guy in your life at this point in time? I don't. Well, maybe you're going to find one in Hawaii. <laughs> so people keep telling me. Aha. Uh-huh. So uh, wait, I, I want a phone call into this show that says, Bam, there it is. I'm getting married, Bert. Can you come over and do my wedding in Hawaii and I will I will come right over there. Okay, sounds good. Just I'm speaking that into existence. All right. <laughs> now, uh is there anything else you want to share with uh if you had one thing about this ministry that you want people to be aware of, what would it be? I have no idea. That's a really broad thing to say. A broad thing to say. Okay, let me narrow it up for you. Perfect. All right. What I would narrow it up for you and say is, what is the key thing in here that keeps bringing you back to this ministry? Well, I'd say it was firstly the Lord. It's Amen. definitely the Lord. The Lord's okay, been bringing he, me back. <laughs> he's, he's pointing you um, there. Does he have more for you than just working for, with the kids? You know, at this point, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, it's been a step-by-step, step and I'm only 20, so I can't say what the Lord's going to have me do for the rest of my life. But right now, that I would say I could see this being a long-term thing, me going and working with kids. And I think the one thing I would say that keeps drawing me back would be the kids. Like, there was this one kid, and uh, he was like 10 years old or something. He was sitting in a good news club that I was teaching, and I was sharing about how God loves them. And I was talking about how awesome and powerful God was. And he's like, God can do anything. And he raised his hand. And I was like, yes, Antoine, what is it? And he said, could God change my eyes from brown to blue? And see, he was an African-American little boy. And I was like, well, yes, God could do that. But why would God do that? Why would God want to do that? God made you. God made you exactly how he wanted you to be. And if he did that, then why would he ever want to change you? He loves you. And then you should have seen his face. His face, his eyes got huge. And he was just like, looked as shocked as I've ever seen anyone. And he was like, God loves me? And I was like, yes, God loves you. And his interest and his desire to know about God just like ran. It was like a jump start after that day. And so I'd say it's the kids. Oh, those yeah. moments, those moments when they're like, what? And they finally understand the uncontrollable, unstoppable, and amazing love that God has for them. That's awesome. Well, I hope you keep going back. I would like to, once you get uh, Cadillac and maybe in next season, 
uh, I, I, after you get, I'm going to be keeping track of you. I mm -hmm. myself uh, am going to definitely be contributing to you, Kirsty and I have been discussing that. But uh, I want, <clears throat> I want more than anything to see you rise above and be extremely successful. Mm -hmm. uh, you're 20. You're just getting started. <laughs> People think you're so young, but the truth of the matter, if they met you, they would realize what an incredibly passionate and gifted person you are. And I, I truly believe God has a youth thing, definitely, but I, there's going to be so much more, so much more as time goes on. It's, it's great. <laughs> so I thank you for being on our show today. Absolutely. And, uh, I, I enjoyed, uh, being able to spend a little bit of time learning about the ministry you work with. Give us its name again. Child Evangelism Fellowship. And how do they reach out to you? They reached out to me through No, my, no, no. Oh, how do oh. the <laughs> listeners reach out to there? I get you now. Okay. Okay. If they want to reach out to me to like contact me. Yes. Oh, they can reach out to me at emily.mcgraw at cefhawaii.com. Okay. And uh, how do they contribute again? They can contribute by going to cefhawaii.com and going to the About and Staff and scrolling down to Emily and Support Emily's Ministry. So. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Scott, you got any closing words? Good job. Good job. <laughs> you got any closing words? Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, folks, that's where we're going to be with our first out of the box. And I just want to tell you, Jesus loves you, and I love you, and there's absolutely nothing you can do to stop us. Mm -hmm.